Rock and roll. Welcome to the Fake Magic Podcast. My name is Jordan, and here today with me, I have a Matthew. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's uh, been a while. It's been a little bit of time. Yeah. Some life stuff going on. We have stuff going on. We're going to get on a regular recording schedule one day, I promise. Yeah, or not, but we um, will. We will. <laughs> we totally will. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, we had, a, uh, since last episode... Three Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Um, which is incredible. Like, I, I wasn't even expecting it even that soon. So, you guys uh, know who you are. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I had my COVID, my second Moderna COVID shot yesterday. Microsoft software update. Yeah. I had my chip implant. Yep. And uh, I actually get I have my autism s- now. I get my second dose but on uh, Tuesday. Oh, really? Yep. Yep, and then I'm done. Do you have a Wednesday off? No, I don't. Well, gear up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might do nothing. Who um, knows? I'm I'm going into it with a really open mind. Yeah. Well, you never actually had COVID, did you? I don't know. There was a point in time where I thought that I might have had COVID. Uh, like July. I My roommate, when I lived in Vegas, was a paramedic. Mm. Dealing with the pandemic in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I understood what I was getting myself into by living with him. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I was like, it, "There's probably a pretty decent chance that I get COVID." So it it could have happened. I don't know. the The point being, I've never had it to the point that I was like aware of it and had it on paper. Like you have coronavirus right. quarantine. You know. I mean, unless you were one of the lucky ones, it would have knocked you for probably a few days. For sure. For sure. So I, in that regard, I probably didn't have it. But you might have had just really mild cold Yep. symptoms, I guess. Yeah. And you could have had it officially. Definitely didn't lose my sense of smell or anything like that or taste. Oh, because, I, yeah, I definitely did. That's sure. so wild to me. There's only three or four days. Some people get knocked out forever, but I was Yeah, down. Brian Cranston just said the other day that he still doesn't have his taste of, or his sense of taste all the way back. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that wild? That's weird. Too much meth. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the set of uh, Breaking Bad, they used real meth for the authenticity. Do they really? No. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that actually like made me like that blew my mind. I was like, there's no way. I'm sure there have to be movies, especially like from the 70s and the 80s, where they like had the you know on like some Martin or Scorsese set. Well, they uh, probably had real cocaine and all that. So on in <laughs> in Goodfellas, Scorsese's Goodfellas, uh, there's um, that the, all the gambling scenes. De Niro didn't like the feel of fake money, so he's like, "I want real money." And so one of the guys on set, like set director or something like that, would bring a thousand dollars every day, and then he would account for all of it at the end of the shoot. <laughs> so in Goodfellas, that's a thousand dollars of one of those guys' actual money. Right. Yeah. Hey, I think authentic authenticity goes a long way. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I did a because I knew we were recording today, and it's been a long time. Apologize, I apologize. Um, and I also knew I was getting the vaccine, and the first one really knocked me out. The next day, the first shot. First one made me feel weird. Um, like I felt it was like my arm was turning to metal on the inside. Like Wolverine mm, or something. Sure, I I uh, had something not quite as like dramatic but similar to that. Yeah. And then the next day it was just aches and chills and shivers and fever and all that. Um, today I I did have symptoms, uh, but they weren't quite as intense. Um, and I was telling Matt that I did a chaos magic ritual, uh, specifically so I could record today. Um, so at work I work in IT and. We do the poor man's data destruction. So what that means is we get a bunch of like old customer hard drives and we keep them for a while in case they need something off of it. Um, and then after like three months or something, uh, we do what's called low-level formatting, which means it writes all of the ones and zeros to the on the drive to just a zero. And then after that, we <laughs> we smash them up with a metal hammer, like a mallet. This is like a heavy one too, like a five or a ten pounder. I don't know. It, so I was like 
raking rocks in the hot sun. I fought the. That's what it felt like because nice. I'm just like smashing these metal objects with the hammer. Um, <laughs> and so the ritual was I took a Sharpie and I wrote on one of the hard drives just the three words Moderna vaccine symptoms. And then I just looked at it while I like smashed the shit out of it. Uh, I think it might have worked because I'm feeling a lot better than the first shot. It's badass. I mean, I, I still don't feel great, but I, th- I thought it was a funny <laughs> kind of ritual to do. Uh, yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super fun. Smashing 60 hard drives in the hot sun. I have been, since we recorded last, getting back into my meditation routines like deeply. Uh, which feels very much like exercising when you first started exercising back up. Like one of the prime examples is when I first moved to Salt Lake and I was riding my bike everywhere. The first two weeks I would have to turn around a lot of the time trying to get somewhere because it was too far in my body. I just couldn't do it. You hit the wall. Then eventually I got so conditioned that I was riding my bike to downtown like 30 blocks from my house. Yeah. And, uh, Then I stopped riding my bike for a while because I hit a mental, I hit a depressive episode and I just had no motivation to exercise or anything, uh, Mm -hmm. which is just what it is, you know? And so I've been getting back on the bike recently and I feel what exhausted. There's like an emotional affect to my bicycle riding now where I'm like grumpy after I get done because I'm like covered in sweat. I just feel gross. Mm -hmm. And I felt that very same way with meditation getting back into it i mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been like it hasn't been a stress reliever or a peace bringer or even a presence bringer it's just been a chore uh until recently i'd say within the last 48 hours i two days ago i had i i, I turned uh i live in the basement of a townhouse and i turned the old bedroom into a dojo space where i can write music read write journal do meditations do sigil magic whatever i want and then my living room is now my bedroom, living room combination, which I love. The reason I bring that up is because that dojo, and I smeared that whole dojo. I sage smeared that whole place, cleared it of all the energy, right. and just like really made it deliberate what I was trying to do with it. And that night, I started doing some pretty intensive uh, meditation and I almost instantaneously felt the presence of it mm-hmm. and that it's like trying to explain what it feels like when I'm achieving what I'm trying to get out of meditation kills what it actually is because there's not words for it, but yeah. I love how it makes me feel. Yeah. Well, and yeah, everyone's meditative experience is legitimate, you know, whether it's good or bad because a uh, meditation can it happened for me that was some point brought up it was like oh good you quieted your mind now my you know higher self or my psyche or whatever is going to show me all the shit that i need to work on right and it doesn't feel great no it the thing is is it's i find that meditation especially recently gives me glimpses of my authentic version of myself Mm -hmm. and then it also allows me to observe all of the things that I'm convinced are me and then let them leave. Yeah. Slowly dissipate out of my conscious state. Mm-hmm. I lose a lot of the emotional and social baggage and the complex nuances of like, of my psyche where I'm just bogged down, especially with like depression in general. When I get done meditating, it doesn't cure it, mm-hmm. but I become more aware of what is going on. And that's been cool because I would even say in the last 24 hours, my mood. So like for me, the last three weeks, I've had some personal stuff going on, but uh, my mood has just been volatile. Probably one of the most volatile mood moments of my life over the last three weeks. And the last two or three days it started to, it still spikes and it peaks and valleys hard still, Mm -hmm. but it's more centralized to the middle of like, of what I'm trying to be or what I am, you know? And so I feel it 
it just feels like fine tuning to get to where I'm trying to go with my psyche and my person or my persona even. And so that I, that if, if that's the only thing that I get out of meditation, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even want to say it like that's like I'm settling for mood stability. (laughs) Well, you get, (laughs) you always get on unconscious benefit, whether you know it or not, even if you don't feel the positive effects from it immediately. Well, I have a, I have a buddy, um, I, I suffer from pretty debilitating anxiety and this friend of mine also struggles with anxiety. And the other day he was talking about how his phone really encourages him to be overstimulated constantly, which then promotes a lot of anxious states of mind in his leisure. And he was like, yeah, the other day what I tried doing was just laying down on my bed and not thinking about anything for 30 minutes and then going back to what I wanted to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Meditating. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't putting him down. It was just like, nice to hear someone else that's like not read the literature per se or been grown up around the culture of meditation yeah. be like actively trying to meditate whether or not they realize it mm-hmm. that's what i've been doing um when i have a really bad day is i come home and i crawl into bed and just don't i don't direct my thoughts but i also don't think deliberately it's more uh, observing my thoughts it's a very much like pre-sleep environment where sometimes I can sometimes I can get hypnagogia sure from that state. Um I've been having a hard time with meditating lately. And I'm not sure why. I've been trying the mantra like the transcendental meditation style mantra meditation and I have had really good experiences with it before but uh, sometimes my brain goes so wild that trying to repeat the mantra, I don't know, it seems to mesh really weird. Um, so I'm just trying to find an alternative, like a Zen walking path or something. Oh, this, yeah. Ever since getting a dog, though, taking him on multiple walks every day, that is hugely meditative for me. That's awesome. Because I don't think about anything, and like I sort of even let them direct where to go, and uh, that's a super detaching activity for me. That's sick. Yeah, I've been walking a lot and taking the train a lot lately, and that has been opportunities for me to just really invite myself into a mindful state again. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to just mellow out and just be right here. And you know what's funny too is I also am trying to deviate away from using the phrases like mellow out or chill because I've been told that my whole life. Like, dude, you need to just chill or you need to just mellow out. And you're th- nine times out of ten, the person that said that to me, they were right, but it hurt, it hurt and it wasn't yeah uh, well beneficial you, to me in the moment. Yeah, it's like telling someone to calm down. Yeah, it, it does the opposite. Quickest way for me to get yeah. spiked. Yeah, like if you want to piss anyone off, tell them to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's just funny. I'm thinking back to an experience that I had where I was told to calm down by somebody who I knew wouldn't tell me to calm down unless I actually needed to calm down, and I was humiliated and embarrassed that I like let myself get to that headspace where I had no control. It's interesting because this was like a long time ago Mm -hmm. but the idea is even today i've had anxious moments for sure i had a couple things that just invited an environment of anxiety temporarily and i've been in a good headspace today so i was just looking at them head on and enjoying it in a really neurotic way i was fine with it yeah Um, one opportunity for me is like before we started the podcast, I went really hard on my like own personal occult research, um, just because I was looking for answers, uh, pretty much to my own mental health. And I, I mean, I devoured, you know, dozens of like books, articles, blogs, um, podcasts, um, etc. And so I sort of I can get into like what I, what people would call a channeling state. And whatever I interact with, you can call it the guides or your unconscious, you know, it doesn't really matter. But uh, a huge message that I got, especially over about the last six months, is um, 
I need to let my brain digest what I just put it through or, you know, the thinking mind. Um, so even in the car, I, I've rarely been listening to podcasts lately. I don't, I haven't listened to music very often. I'm just come, I've been coming into a place where I'm just a little more present and aware of my surroundings and trying not to look for some distraction. Have you thought about how almost no one drives consciously? Oh yeah. I've thought a lot about that in regards to there's always something extracurricular deviating your attention away from the primary objective of driving in a car safely. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the new, like, I don't know what my opinion is on that because the, the thing is, is inherently I get super distracted by music, but I also was reading about this community this week it, and I really resonated with them. They're a group of people who have, it's a disorder. I'm not diagnosed with it, but the idea is that you have these really dissociative daydreams. I forget what the name is. I'll, I'll get the term eventually. Uh, the idea is though that people will participate in reality from a peripheral standpoint. Mm -hmm. So they'll be daydreaming about something and then, actively doing things throughout their day. And I do that a lot. I think I've done that ever since I could, re- I had memories. Right. Honestly. It's, isn't that wild? And I think it's a neurodivergent tendency for sure. I think it is. But in that same idea, I had this really selfish thought for a long time, especially probably honestly since September of 2020 to now, I catch myself thinking it, but I'll just see strangers and I will be like, you're not going through as much mental grief as I am in a really selfish way. I've, I've (laughs) seen people and thought that. And over the last two weeks, I've met people who quote unquote have it worse than I do. I've met a lot of people just in the circles that I'm spending time in right now Yeah, uh, in a really safe environment, but nonetheless, and I don't want to say that their pain makes my pain feel better, but it is nice to know that I'm not alone. Yeah. It is nice to know that I'm not alone. Yeah, I. It is. And, you know, that's where I, I mean, everybody judges, but I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt just because you have no idea what they're going through at home or totally at work or. Well, and the work stuff is. I find always asymptomatic of a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm having an issue with a coworker, a quote unquote issue, life or death at, at my job, right? How life or death is that really? And then I get to hear well, like what's going on in their life. Them talking to somebody that they can confide in at work and I'm overhearing it and I'm like, oh right, this person that I can't stand, they, this is like one of the only places that they get to be social. They have a horrible home life. They're miserably unhappy anywhere yeah. else besides here. Well, that's typically how workaholism gets started because it's it's just a distraction. Yeah, from the I know we talked about this before, but that shit makes me so sad when people don't want to leave work, or when people get to work like an hour early. Mm-hmm. That's that's. Or they're salaried and work like twelve. I don't find that hours. a healthy characteristic. Yet you will never catch me dead at work clocking in 15 minutes early i have a life to live yeah work is an accessory that facilitates the most authentic versions of that right we're at least a part of it and yeah that i sign up to do this much work that's the contract of a schedule as far as i'm concerned they're saying Mm -hmm. we need you to contribute this much we're going to financially compensate you for it and when you're not doing that we're going to leave you alone and i hold them to that I do not let managers mm-hmm. contact me when I'm not at work. <sighs> I'm really good at it too. This is the thing that made me ultimately decide that, that I couldn't work for a big corporation as a career long term was when I'm not at work, I don't want to associate with my work as an obligation to someone else. No. Well, yeah. And I, I don't want work to become my identity. Ugh. And I know a lot of people who like their career is their identity and they die when they retire. Some of them do. A lot of, I mean. My dad's boss did. My old man went through that thing. He straight up told me one time, he, he was like, I was known as Terry the pharmacist for 46 years. 
and now I'm not that anymore. And yeah. I have no clue what I am. Yeah, and if you don't have a plan to sort of supplement your identity, it puts your soul in a position to die, I guess. Pretty much, because then how do you rebuild that? Now, here's the other thing that I've been thinking of about for my own well-being. One of the things that perks up my mental health is service. That's something I'm exploring a lot right now is charity and service when I'm depressed and then setting up routines when I'm in a good headspace that I can follow through with when I'm not in a good headspace that require me to give to other people with my time and effort because I really personally believe that financial compensation and charity only goes so far and the actual act of service I think not even I think I know especially recently changes my brain chemistry mm-hmm. and I think that there's something about our biological predisposition to belong to a community and we're so detached in this culture I, I genuinely mm-hmm. think we're right now in a cultural schizophrenia where nothing can agree on anything like my worldview and my neighbor's worldview can be so different that they don't even have anything in common and it's it gets to the point of which one is delusional. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's oh. that's so wild. I try to not like overthink that because it can freak me out. But you just think with American culture right now, but it's on a global scale. There's just no coherence. There's no middle ground. It's it's legitimately been manufactured to just be so divisive that we now can't even interact with one another. No, and I think what compounds it is um, access to the internet. People are finally becoming more aware to the truth of what's actually going on. So and they're like, "Holy shit!" Well, this here's is the other up. thing. What do we do about it? I was thinking about this this morning. Actually, the internet. It, a lot of people claim that the internet is the collective consciousness reuniting itself, mm-hmm. and I think that that's an interesting approach to what the internet is but what i i think it really is is a catalyst that shows us that we are all connected and we're rejecting it i think it's a physical representation of the idea yeah um i think some people are rejecting it but i don't see it stopping so the people who do reject it are going to have a really hard time reject modernity embrace tradition mm-hmm. yeah i mean and that that trope gets pushed into a lot of storytelling right before a revolution mm-hmm. if you look at dude if you look at i mean even the musical fiddler on the roof it's about these russian orthodox jews that are about to be infiltrated by the nazis and there's all this calamity going on but reb tevia the dad Right. He wants to marry off all of his daughters and he literally sings a song about tradition mm-hmm. because the daughters are confused and he brings the matchmaker and she sings this whole bullshit thing about like how I'm going to set you up with the best boy in town, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then the whole thing ends with them getting on a boat to leave their hometown or their homeland to seek refuge because the Nazis are there finally and mm-hmm. they've burned down their houses and they're ready to kill them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so things are getting upturned. And they're trying to cling on to whatever traditions that they have, right? And and I think our society right now is traditionless in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. Well, And they're dissipating. They're dissipating one by one. It's even the social etiquettes. I was thinking about recently how the way that we dress ourselves when we go to the grocery store compared to even two decades ago or a decade ago mm-hmm. has changed significantly. Yeah. People well, do it in like leisure clothes and look here. I don't think that's a bad thing. I genuinely don't care what you wear. Like I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, but the observation is when did that change? It, it was a slow period. Cause I remember at first when you would see people like either in the late nineties or early two thousands in their pajamas at Walmart, you'd be like, what the hell are they doing? And now I'm guilty of having done that. Well, yeah. Yeah, I go in my sweats sometimes. And not even guilty. The, the, um, what's wrong with that? The, there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing I do miss is I think there's something magical and empowering for people to care about how they look. Yeah. But it's better if you do it for yourself than for someone else like the Mormon church. <laughs> well, and I'm even thinking about this like 
tradition and culture is something that gets sustained through acceptance of it and evolution therein. And it dies when it becomes regimented. Yeah. And so I think another thing I've been contemplating with American culture is that we went through a puritanical phase and we were built on a puritanical idea of like this litmus test of how to participate in society. And if you didn't do it, then you were just pushed out of our society. Right. And you lived on the fringes of it. But now they're the purity of our society is dwindling. Mm-hmm. And so people are clutching pearls in all sorts of directions. You've got the people that are clutching the pearls of a neoliberal identity of like the late nineties, early two thousands, like this Clinton idea, right? Like that's how I see a lot of neoliberals now. They want to live back in like the nineties, early two thousands, like that lifestyle. Like they would be fine if we went to war in Iraq right now, if it meant that they got to have the quality of life that they had at that time, because they weren't really affected by that here. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you've got like the, alt-right folks who want to go back to the 50s because Mm -hmm. they are trying to live in this lifestyle that they were promised by their parents and their parents parents that they don't have because there's not that puritanical society but then there's this third component of it that makes me nervous and that is this social edification through cancel culture and i don't think cancel so my opinion on cancel culture is that it's dangerous but i don't think it's as real as people make it out to be like they're like this guy's canceled he's dead we're gonna see i think we're gonna see comebacks from some people who were canceled for a few years and everyone's gonna fucking forget about it well and here's the thing is like cancel culture is the new puritanical society yeah and the reason i brought this up was the way that you were talking about uh just how we were discussing traditions in general I find that we're rejecting this idea of a puritanical culture bit by bit, and it's just getting pushed into different corners of the room. Mm-hmm. It's just the dust in the room because even the social justice warriors realize that it's not a sustainable model to get what they want mm-hmm. because they're not getting anything. They're mm-hmm. not getting anything out of this. Like all that's changing is now Pepsi Cola has a commercial where they say black lives matter and they still exploit the environment and yeah. fuck things over in their path. Right. Yeah. It didn't actually change anything, but, but they're like agreeing with the populist idea of like, yes, well, that's how black lives matter. works. Yeah. They just, they convince you you're on their team. Yeah. And then you're more okay with buying it where, you know, they have, you know, at this point, like a century of labor exploitation and environmental destruction. Like, right. It's like, <laughs> It's like no matter how hard we try, the system inherently isn't working anymore. Uh And so that's, again, going back to Filler on the Roof, you even look at it in Tolstoy's writing. There's just a lot of like pre-Russian revolution literature and art that was all like right before a cultural revolution. There's a lot of weird shit because so many people don't want to deviate from the path. And then and then there's a there has to be a major event that changes everything and upheaves everything. Okay, was that coronavirus? When it when coronavirus first started, I thought it might be. The legitimacy of how intense the society our society took coronavirus at first, I was like, this could change society as we know it entirely. I don't think it did that. I think it's a different flavor of the same shit. Well, even in like a revolutionary Russia, and I was thinking, that's funny, I was thinking about this this week. Even if there is a so-called revolution happening, it takes 20 to like 70 years to feel the full effect of it. Because, you know, even though they murdered the entire Tsar family, the for the average Russian, their life probably didn't change for decades right it's um, the social implications of the yeah. upheaval if you wanted to compare the first american revolution to this current revolution that we're going through uh we are not even to the boston tea party no we like if you wanted to look at it on a linear time scale we just left jamestown it's like 1690 or 1710 it's somewhere in that period mm-hmm. you know and the declaration of independence wasn't signed until 76 so we have a huge yeah. buffer area. Yep. It, yeah. It, it takes like, it's, you know, we're taught in history and it feels like it happened overnight, but it took decades and decades and decades. And yeah. by that point, you're already used to how it is. The thing that I can't help but think is that if, if the corporations, the tech giants continue on the path that they're going, 
the revolution will start itself no matter what because it is so the system is so failed the environmental catastrophe that will come from it will create the revolution the social travesty of uh, economic disposition that or displacement that's going to occur within the next 10 years because of automation that could start the revolution one of these things one of these major events is going to make it happen mm-hmm. uh, but so I don't think that there's any way of getting off this ride. I think there is going to be a revolution in some sense, but the question is, what is the main big event? Like, what's the history book event? I don't think it was coronavirus. I think coronavirus is a symptom of the big problem, mm-hmm. and that it, it opened a lot of eyes to the inherent problems of empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with coronavirus, um, you see like you know, these two groups, like the anti-masker libertarian, I do what I want. And then like, people are saying the words black lives matter. And somehow those words offend people. You see the privileged. I I feel like they felt left out and they're like, I want to fight for something that sounds cool. <laughs> so they raid the Capitol and they let them in, of course, cause they're all white. And, uh, you know, where if it was black people, they would have had the National Guard out, you know, days or weeks in advance, you know, thousands of troops. But it's white people, so they're like, oh, it's, you know, I think it was pretty much allowed to be happened. Oh, yeah. uh, It's rifts like those that are, like, seeding the ideas of a a revolution. Um, If we do have anything that can be considered a revolution coming up... I don't think it's going to be violent or physical. Really? Um, Because too many things are virtual. I mean, even if you guillotine a few heads, there are, I mean, I think for every, like, known billionaire and oligarch, there are probably, like, 10 to 100 more or 1,000 behind the scenes that are also pulling the same same shit, and they're always going to get away. Right, and they Um, have huge security Oh, yeah. Well, they have private armies. Yeah, yeah. We literally live in a feudal system. I mean, even the idea, and I am saying this completely from a speculatory perspective, I have never once considered this. I would not encourage it. But if you were to try to assassinate someone like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos, they have mercenaries. They have tons of mercenaries. They've got mercenaries that their mercenaries don't know about. Well, Where do you think... The retired Navy SEALs and Green Beret go. Right. You know, they've been basically mind-fucked when and I, trained to obey orders and to fight and to kill thoughtlessly. That when, doesn't go away when you retire from the Army. When I saw Dana, That's why we have PTSD. When I saw Dana White, uh, the owner of the UFC in Vegas, I saw him one time walking out of the uh, Big D downtown. It's a big casino on Fremont. His entourage was probably 15 people, all in black, and they were private army. Mm-hmm. It and blew my mind. Not, not only that, but w- what people don't understand is all laws are fake, um, and people at that level understand that, So they and they never have and they never will play by the rules. So they have their private armies with you know snipers on buildings, and <laughs> it happens every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Now, the thing with that even, there's a part of me like conspiracy brained that I will only entertain that so far because even with all of that, you can't escape the environmental catastrophe that is looming, right? So all this is part of what makes me nervous about Elon Musk's space program is that it feels like a rich people's exit plan to get off this planet when it gets rat fucked and it's just devastated and then they just send all the billionaires into space and then they try to live out their lives however they can and continue the human race. Like there's a, there's a conspiracy in there for sure. Yeah. But how like comfortable would that be? But at that point, if you don't have any other options, yeah. uh, but that would end up being like that movie Elysium, which I actually thought was interesting. The, the concept, because I could definitely see that kind of thing happening. Uh, perhaps I'm not saying it will. I, I could see a version of it happening, but not to that degree. Um, I think that the Earth sort of has built-in mechanisms to eventually 
um, course, take care of it. Course so, correct. Yeah. I've wondered this too, if coronavirus was a mother nature event. Yeah. It was like a social tsunami. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when, when a natural disaster happens and it affects this huge group, you know, unless it's Hurricane Katrina, we don't really think about it, right? If it's not out of the country, I mean, Fukushima, pardon me. There's some that are recognized, there's some that aren't. Uh, a lot of the time, it depends on if they're under the imperial umbrella. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they f- they affect America's own, yeah, then it's the biggest so, deal in the world. But I mean, it happens all the time. So here's the thing: is if coronavirus was Mother Nature going okay, like like suffice to say, if it did happen the way that it's being said right now, that it was a super spreader event from bats. If that was the what happened, that could very easily be indicative that mother nature was like, okay, we need to have a conversation. We need to change this. I think that's how it happens. And like the reason why I'm so calm about all of this stuff is I think consciousness is continues forever. And, uh, you know, like even if we have a heat death of the physical universe, consciousness goes somewhere else. Um, Right. And they're, you know, they're on the cusp of releasing evidence for it. Um, you know, you have articles in scientific American talking about panpsychism, which essentially implies, uh, implies, that uh, every fa- facet of matter has some form of consciousness attached to it. It's just how aware it is of itself or isn't. Um, so, I'm honestly I'm not that scared of even like a technocracy takeover or a because uh, all all empires fail and they always have and they always will. Even at their peaks, they only have a percentage share of the totality of reality. There's always some paradise somewhere else. Um, you know, even at the height of the Roman empire, it's, it's unsustainable. Uh, and I think that the tower of Babel is an allegory for empires that get too large. Yeah. They, yeah. they just, they it just spreads out further. Like you the can't, obstacles get bigger. Yeah. Cause everything dies. Everything on this physical plane has a life and death cycle, whether it's, the Roman the Roman Empire or the British Empire or the Persian Empire you know they they have a lot longer life cycle because it's super consciousness above you know outside the range of biology and humans but it dies eventually yeah we feel echoes of it but so I'm not I and I think we already have either corporatism or I think we've had corporatism since the 20th century industrial revolution is when i really see it and i think that we're already in a technocracy they're just way better at hiding it now yes i've also thought that uh, because you have amazon aws that's their cloud servers warehouses uh they're built across the street from like nsa uh nsa storage facilities (laughs) and you can see that with google and how did Google Maps come about? Um, they had access to military satellite imagery and have been mapping the Earth, you know, since I was a young teenager, 13, 14. And, like, we saw Google Maps and we're like, holy shit. And we didn't think about how that actually happened. But, you know, the government was working with allowing Google access to their satellites um, that's not regular marketplace competition and, uh, private, it's not like a typical marketplace as proposed by like proponents of libertarianism or capitalism. Like that's long gone, absolutely long gone for a long time now. Um, uh, I have a lot of peers who they get really upset with our current social environment and they see injustice. I see it too. They see a lack of access to housing and healthcare to everyone and they get enraged. Um, And I think that's a valid uh, response to it. But they get so upset over how the system is that they don't work to make their own lives better. 
Um, I, I think evolution is more about adaptation than revolution, and uh, evolution is more inherent, I think, uh, into either biology or the universe than revolution, because most big change happens slowly. So, you know, instead of sitting there and being really upset over the fact that you can't afford housing, uh, I, I think it would be a much better idea to look at your current options and be like, well, how do I lessen my own suffering? You know, can I invest in the stock market and still not believe in it? You know, even even if you don't agree with it, uh, do you want to retire? Supposedly, if we're even going to get to retire around 60, 70 and have no money, you know, because you didn't invest in this thing that you didn't agree with. That's something to think about for sure. Okay, so on to, I guess, the main event Segway, 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 segway. Uh, yeah. I don't care about segways. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, we should have a theme song. But at the same time, I was like, maybe eventually. Eventually, we that's, can compose one. I, I think if we can compose fun. one, that would be, be cool. Because we're both, oh, that would we're be both musicians. That would be so much fun. Uh, that's a great idea. I'd rather compose one. So maybe one day you'll that's get a really theme cool. song. Oh, well, and I don't know. Personally, I was thinking about this too recently is... Uh, Sometimes I really, really just don't want to listen to the intro of a podcast. Yeah, I need it, it to be quick. Yeah, I'm like, I want I want the real stuff. I want the material. I, I don't want to sit there and listen to the 45-second theme song. I want to get into it. I need to do some research on this, and I can present it another time, but I just started thinking about it. In Philadelphia right now, there's a group of communists that are chemists and pharmacologists, and they're creating literature on how to make your own medications that you take to get you out of the system of using standardized pharmacy. Look, I think that's super dangerous. I'm not educated enough to do that myself, but I'm here for it. Their idea is that sorry, that was such a random idea, but I just want to put a pin in that for another time. So interesting. I listened to a whole podcast on it and they were basically going through the step-by-step processes of how to make pretty standard medications that you would have to go to the doctor for. That would be great. That's yeah. I, I think honestly, Power to the we, people, should, for we sure. should get there. Power to the people for sure. Um, regardless of the danger. Cause aren't like a third of all medical deaths malpractice. <laughs> like, Oh, what? I didn't know that. Um, you'll have to fact check me. So don't like take that. I, I've heard that somewhere. I have not recently fact checked that. So I could be off a little bit, but even if that's partially true, that is fucking insane. Yeah. And so I think like the danger of making your own medication uh, that would outweigh, you know, like a screw up at the pharmacy where they, you know, they're overworked. Oh, they're working 10, 12 hours. Pharmacy culture in this country and is, I, I grew up they around mix it. Up I grew, medication all the time. I grew up around pharmacy culture. I had a grip with a pharmacist and two of my very f- close friends are pharmacy technicians and some of the stories that they tell. Yeah, they're, oh, I feel dude. so bad for them. They're run ragged because of honestly, the le- legislation around pharmaceutical medicine is so tight and so bureaucratic. Is that a bad thing? It is to the point where you're understaffed and the workers are overworked. But is that the bureaucracy's fault? I think it is. Or is it the company, the corporation's fault? Well, if if it was easier to own and operate a pharmacy. Which it's not. They've then, become so obsolete. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I don't even mean to contradict what I was saying about the communist startup open source pharmaceuticals. The thing I wonder is at what point in time. There's is, a line. I, is, I agree with that. I'm not saying like deregulate everything like a libertarian. But so part of the problem for me is that. They've got to make it easier. The the So corporations and legislation have become so intermingled that I have a hard time differentiating between the two anymore. Oh, yeah. It's well, like well, that's this, why that's why we have corporatism with the with the mask mandate being lifted in this in Utah. I all of the major companies are like, you still have to wear a mask in here. OK, 
I, in the last two days since the mandate started to get loosened up, have seen so many people not wearing masks. So many people don't wear masks on the train. Well, no one wants to, even if, because I'm, even I'm not an anti-masker, but it sucks, dude. Yeah, I I wear a mask everywhere that I'm required to. Everywhere that I'm required to. I even wear masks uh, in perhaps places that aren't required, just as a courtesy. I, at this point, I wear a mask out of courtesy. Well, it's more for them than for you. I mean, you know, we're both going to be like, I'm already fully vaccinated. You're going to be. Yeah. In I've had hours. COVID. Like, I have those antibodies. We had a guy come into the store that I work at that wasn't wearing a mask. Old guy. Old guy. And they were like, sir, you need to wear a mask. And he was like, I already had it. And I understand how negligent and rude that is. Yeah. and self-serving. But it was hard to argue with him. Because they were taking the line of, so the line that you're supposed to take is, this is our business, you can leave if you don't like that. But then these people say these things like, I'm an American, I can go wherever the fuck I want, you know? It's like such a, but here's the thing is, is your business open to the public or is it private? Because Costco's been able to keep their mask regulations on lock because they're a private company. Mm-hmm. They're not open to the public, right? Yeah. But like, Target is open to the public. So the moral ambiguity there now uh, is contingent on the legislation, but then who enforces that? Because I have seen uh, two nights ago, I saw police officers in a Walmart that weren't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon, as soon as the people don't believe it or buy into it anymore, as soon as we have a majority switch, it's done. It's over with. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the remnants, you know, and this people, the people who do really like the really super irritating people who are like, I'm not going to wear I'm going to wear a mask until 2024 and like they, they get, they basically get their rocks off on the moral superiority of it. And look, if you want to do that, that's which is fine. fine. I, I don't, don't care. care. Yeah. I think it's stupid. I, I'm fine. Like, yeah. I'm fine care. with scrutinizing it. I yeah. don't care if you do it. And there's always, the, that's the thing too, is like the, one of the biggest arguments I've heard is you can get it again. There's variants, all that. But like by the time you're vaccinated, you've already had COVID the likelihood of even if you do getting it again of it even being severe is so freaking low that's like all right like i think you're just psyching yourself up to be scared for longer so now you're essentially controlled for a bit longer well and so i've had a lot of moral debates in my mind about the idea of being controlled by the state with it I think that there's a bit to that. I think it's a similar bit to the 9-11, post 9-11 airport security tightening and how they proved that that didn't do anything. Yeah. I, th- I think we're going to look back on the... I'm not talking about the initial mask mandates or the social distancing. I'm fine with both of those. I don't care. Uh, I also think that like the reopening of the public schools needed to happen, but the way that they did it absolutely put the teachers in an unsafe situation. Mm-hmm. And so again, it comes back to this, it comes back to this, like our legislators don't legislate because there's no enforcing body. But at the same time, I don't want the police. Yeah. There's so many gray areas. Yeah. I'm not a statist in that regard. I I do believe this would have been over with a lot quicker if we had a nationwide shutdown for for two weeks weeks and everybody just stayed home. But to enforce that, you got to give power to the policing bodies and the, you know, the same people who are proponent of masks. That's the last thing you want. Well, and not only that, uh, the policing body doesn't give a shit. They don't want to enforce it. They won't. No, that's not what they're there for. That's not what they were created for. They're there to protect property. And if they protect people, it's incidental. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's what it's there for. Yeah. Their goal is to ensure that your capital is safe. Mm hmm. So, Terms and conditions apply. That's why people have have got to stop looking outside themselves for their own safety. Yeah, they've got to stop looking at the state to police everyone around them so they can be safe. It's it's a hard pill to swallow, but you have to put you have to do it yourself. I want to live in a society where we can look to the state to help us and or not- our neighbors. I- well, I oh, think oh, it's it's an evolution of consciousness before we me, get there. Let me rephrase to paint with a broader brush. I want to live in a society where the community is strengthened, that it can inf- it can police itself and protect itself. I don't think we're even close to there. We're so disconnected. Um, it, it'll take. We won't get there until the majority of everyone's shadow has been integrated and individuated. For sure. And I think the fastest way to do that is to do it yourself. 
it's the only way it's right now. Al- it, well, I think you're going to the- die if you wait for everyone else to do it. Yep. Yep. You're, and you'll probably reincarnate and have to do it again. <laughs> right, right, right. That's actually really well put. That's really well put. I didn't mean to. Sorry, I got on a total tangent. Oh, no, I, you're good. I think for, at I'm this point, for, I think at this point, I don't know if we're going to do that. Oh, word. I mean, just. I'm just going with where we were going. We the, were going to do some more breath stuff, but the, I mean, the, we're like an hour in almost. Here's the thing <laughs> is I have a really dear friend lives in Portland. He's a school teacher, really well thought through guy with a good perspective. He says some interesting stuff when we have conversations about like society currently. And I don't know where he leans politically I, the way. Well, he indicates pretty left, but he's also mm-hmm. r- rationally left in the regard of he sees that there's the course correcting too far can cause problems. And I can admire that. Yeah. So the thing that I wonder that, I'm, the reason that I brought him up was because whenever I have a conversation with him on the phone, we talk pretty regularly, like weekly, just about. I always tell him I'm painfully optimistic that things are going to get better. Well, and I always. feel that way now more than ever. Like society it, feels like it's ready for a boom. If you look at all of history, everything has always gotten better. We've, I mean, we've humanity has gone through periods of turmoil. But it's always the period after that turmoil is always better than the period before that. And I don't think it happens um, overnight. And I don't think that no. we're I don't think we're on our way to a utopia. I don't. But I think we're on our way to things well, getting better. I'm not. I'm not if we're here. I'm not sure if we're here to experience a utopia as far as like cosmic like. What if this forever. is the utopia? Oh God. <laughs> That's the other thing that I've uh, I've contemplated a lot is what if the utopia is the idea that you get all the good and all the bad. Um, I heard somebody recently say that you didn't get an Albert Einstein without the Holocaust. Now I'm not, I'm not minimizing the Holocaust by saying that, but there's a lot of things that are, there's a lot of nuance to that. But the thing, the reason I said that is because I don't, I'm not glad that the Holocaust happened in the regard of the devastation. What what you're saying is, um, we have to take what we can get out of these events and, and uh, maximize them, the good aspects of them, and so them, what's the good appreciation? What's them the for good what they from are. COVID? What's the good from COVID? I think the good is peop- it'll force people to adapt technology because um, we should have honestly, like I, I go to an online college, and when everyone had to go home, everybody was catching up on how to do school online, but m- my school's already been doing it for over a decade. So I'm probably getting a higher quality education than 80% of the people who went online last year because they weren't they didn't have to figure sh- that shit out. Word. So now we're going to have the ability where people can I mean I've educated myself my entire life. Most of what I've learned I've taught myself. Uh people are finally going to understand that they can do that. So it's going to force them, "Hey, like hey, if I just take if I take these classes online and take notes and make inferences, I can learn about this shit without having to talk to someone." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I see think... some profes- professor talk at some 100 seater lecture hall. I think yeah, <laughs> I I actually listened to an NPR podcast that said that the lecture hall is a thing of the past. It is. I I've been thinking that way since at least lovely 2000s we've had the technology we just haven't implemented it yet because it's slow and lecture hall classes suck i fall asleep it's boring lecture hall classes suck i've never gained anything like monumental out of them yeah because uh with adhd i have to study differently i have to take frequent short breaks so i can watch 10 or 15 minutes of some kind of video or read that of a textbook and just distract myself get up, walk around for a second, look at Reddit for a minute, come back. And I've learned more now in my 20s than I ever, ever had in my entire life, cumulatively. Here's another thing is a net positive from COVID that I am seeing more and more is how much independence it gave people. I feel like there's a lot more free thinkers now than there ever was before COVID in the regards of breaking with the status quo Mm. people that I would have never thought would be like, yeah, there's something inherently wrong in this institution. Like what, what, 
how is it going to fix? Now they're starting to take it upon themselves. Mm-hmm. I do like the either the question, the idea of questioning everything or being trying to skeptically think of everything, even if it's really dumb. Um, I want people questioning their reality. Yes, because I think that's how we as a species evolve to whatever the next place is. Whatever this existential dread. You know, that we've even created. if they're wrong, the neo, <laughs> you know, the alt right neo conservative. Uh, you know, they think they're patriots because they've bit their spoon-fed propaganda. Right. And they're, you know, even by believing QAnon and then rejecting, like, the mainstream idea of government and then seeing that QAnon basically had no, uh, nothing to stand on and that their god emperor isn't coming back into office even though QAnon... It's like a doomsday cult. It's like, oh, next week it'll happen. Oh, next week it'll happen. Oh, no, no. I got the date wrong. It's the next... And I, it'll never happen. And once they see that, like, they did question the mainstream reality, uh, but then they bought into another different lie, I think their consciousness is going to learn from that. And they're going to be like, I need to vet my sources a little bit and be skeptical about my own skepticality. <laughs> yeah, I dig that. So, like, you know... Uh, I think it'll push everybody out of their comfort zone, which I always think is a good idea. Yeah. I think the state of uncomfortability, anxiety, fear that I've experienced uncertainty in COVID has equipped me emotionally to handle a lot of hard things. Mm -hmm. I'm alive and I made it through COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm not, we're not out of the forest, but we're on the tail end. Yeah. I made it. And that's with, all the mental health hiccups that I had along the way, I was, oh man, I thought about this like a week ago and I got emotional because I can't tell you how many times I wanted to be done. Mm-hmm. I was so scared and frustrated and I hated every moment of it and you know, but, but here I am mm-hmm. and I got, an, I got another 24 hours in me Yeah, to keep trying this. Uh huh. I know, and I've told some friends, this is my rationale, because I've dealt, I mean, I don't know if you need a trigger warning, but I've dealt with suicide ideation in the past, and right now I'm probably better than I've ever been. That's great. But uh, I just had, I don't know if it was something in me, but I've always had this voice, and you know, I don't know if it's me telling myself, but it's like, hey, even if this is terrible, just try to stick it out and see what happens. Cause like at the end of it, you're going to die anyway. And you know, like, I hope I'm right. And I hope that consciousness continues after. And I think it does, you know, I've had a certain uh, sort of like spiritual experiences with it, but that's only subjective proof to myself. So like, I can't objectively prove that even to myself. So I can't even say for sure that if I die, like consciousness as I know it is going to continue. So why not stick it for the long haul and be drugged through the gravel, no matter how good or bad it is? Because, you know, what if what if there is nothing else? I don't know for sure. I'm also fine with that. <laughs> if there is nothing else, I that that's the other thing is so this idea at, of deliberate living. At the end, I'm going to get my relief, whether like I want to try to, you know, impose it sooner upon myself or stick it out. I'm going to get the relief. So yeah. might as well just hang on for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> I dig that. Yeah. I've, I've told myself that for years. That's and so I've told our friend, I think he would be okay with me mentioning it. I've told Alex that sure. when I went and saw him last year mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just too stubborn to die. Like, even if it fucking sucks. And he's like, of course you would. Cause I'm a, I'm honestly a pretty stubborn person to my, bad detriment for a long time even if i hopefully don't seem like it but he's like of course you you son of a bitch i love that (laughs) no i think that's a good thing is that good enough to end it on um sure yeah why not um so let us know what you want to hear um we were going to get into the wim hof breathing technique um, let us know if you want to hear that. I'll, I'll go into it eventually. I definitely think we should do that. Um, Wim Hof. It's it's been great. Oh, I kind of wish we did get into it, but this is just where we it took us. Another pod like f- dedicated to that one. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do it. We'll do it soon. 
potentially yeah. next time. Yes. Um, so if you enjoyed the podcast and you feel like giving a little bit and uh, help us continue to make this, um, we have our donation and Patreon link at uh, linktree slash fake magic, and that's L I N K T R dot E E slash fake magic, and that's a C K at the end. Um, and then the socials there's the Instagram at fake magic pod uh, with the K after the C as well, Twitter at fake magic. Maybe one day we'll get active there. Um, I've been tweeting just sort of shower thoughts to it or just if something makes me laugh i don't know if it would make anyone else laugh but i've been saying weird stuff on there (laughs) stuff like keeping my windows 10 computer makes me hard or like (laughs) keeping my windows 10 computer updated makes me hard uh gotta love those security updates Mm. and yeah all the links links are over there Uh, and i think it's also like patreon slash fake magic um, we're going to be giving away some goodies. We're going to get, we're giving away pins and like fake ma- magician, official fake ma- magician cards um, to certain tiers. Uh, we got to get the pins made soon. Um, it'll be fun. Yeah. So, and then if you get on the discord, we're starting to get a few people on there um, and then we'll be popping in and discussing as well. Um, and also this one was a st- I feel like a more nuts and bolts episode, but I want to get into some really woo shit soon. So cool. I'm down with that too. Okay. Love you all. Stay safe uh, and be good.